Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm your host, Priya Rao, Executive Editor at Glossy. And today we have Sylvie Shantakai, the founder and CEO of Shantakai. Welcome, Sylvie. Hello, lovely to be with you, Priya. I know, far away though. We're not doing this in person like we usually do. (laughs) It's all right. We can still do it very well. (laughs) So Sylvie, obviously we're in a new normal here uh, within the beauty industry, within the global economy. Tell me a little bit about what you're seeing from where you sit. Well, basically our business went dead overnight. So we had to feed every store in in the world, except for Korea, Taiwan, basically are closed. So when all your retailers close, you know, it's, you got to figure out something. Um, we are very much involved with retailers all around the world. So it was a major shock. But at the same time, it forces us to become more creative and smart and learn how to work. So um, we developed right away real focus on our internet. And to give you an idea, we did last month the amount of money we do in six months normally. and we. You know, all the retailers basically put every person on furlough. So all of the staff everywhere is gone. We have our own people. We try not to do too much of that. We had to do some because obviously our income is totally dwindled overnight. But we have tried to keep a lot of people. And the people that we're keeping, they've learned how to work with their customers like we do now. So a lot of people are working directly with their customers. They're doing videos, they're doing tutorial. And in a way, you know, it's kind of nice if you're home and you have your favorite salesperson who can give you undivided attention, go through the things you own, the things you would like to use, and teach you a few things. It works very well. I say it's a new way of working for everybody, and they have to learn very fast. So Sylvie, kind of go back a little bit because you have a very um, strong Asian business. Yes. So I, if I, last time I believe when we spoke, it was last year and you said it was about 42, 44% yes. Asian customers. So you probably saw a lot of this in January when Lunar New Year was hitting and all of that. So were you able to um, play any of that forward to the US and European business? No, Puya, let me explain you. We do not sell directly in China because of the animal testing. So we do not have retailers in China. So we did not see the stopping of going to stores. This didn't affect us. We only do cross-border in China. Now, where we saw the, the trouble is that the package could not be delivered. And so people were still buying, and they're still buying online, and they're still ordering on Taobao, you know, on our website, but they are not being able to receive. It starts to really go back to normal now, and customers are receiving, and people are selling like crazy in a job. Now, your question you asked me, which is, was that a forewarning for us? Yes and no, because we didn't know really, we didn't really know to the, I mean, the level to which this, all of the countries, England, France, you know, United States, Italy, all those countries would really close overnight. It's, it's something you don't really imagine that every retailer will close. I remember last year you had opened a pretty a gorgeous and um, experiential um, store yeah. counterfront at Bergdorf Goodman. Yes. I remember you had been working on that quite a bit and then that was going to be played forward at all your international counters. It has been. So we started in Hong Kong. We did a beautiful counter 
And it was actually the first one. And then Bergdorf was really the main one. And then we did this. We did five in Taiwan. We did one in Singapore. We did um, about four in uh, Korea. And then we opened all of those duty-free in Korea in the same look. And we were going to open La Samaritaine in Paris. We're all built, ready to go. And that's another conversation we need to have is about what's going on with duty-free. So yes. we were ready to do all of this around the world. So we were feeling very good. We had beefed up our visual merchandising team. We had a lot of people working on this. We were working very hard to go bingo with this great look. Everywhere we're opening uh, LA airport. We just opened Hong Kong airport. All of these were the new look. So now, you know, when something like that was supposed to be such an experiential, amazing experience for customers, when that's all been put on hold, I mean, what has that made you think about these third-party relationships with retailers? Like, what has been your your point of view? My point of view is the retailers are overextended, as we know. They're in trouble financially, as we know. And this is going to be a terrible thing for them. Because if they're going to stay closed three months, maybe four, I don't think they're going to reopen. I don't think they reopen so soon. And I don't think, you know, some people say, oh, it's going to be a frenzy of buying and financing. I don't feel that. I feel that we're all changing and that we're thinking differently. And I think staying home with your family for a month, maybe it's going to be two months, maybe more, is going to completely change the way we think. Tell me how you apply that as a luxury brand. You know, Shantakai is known for its beautiful packages, new, beautiful formulas, but it is expensive. So when you think about, you know, if the luxury market is changing, which we've definitely seen on the apparel side, what does that say to you about, you know, is it pr- price, promotion? Is it well, deeper relationships? I think it's relationship. I think it's service. I think if you really go back to the original of why those stores were luxurious, if you really think of it, it's because they had service. They had better service than the others. We spent a lot of money on staffing. We spent a lot of money on training. We spent a lot of money on all kinds of ways to make these people really able to talk and take care of people in a way in most stores you couldn't get. So that was the original. The original luxury was service. So now we have to transfer that service in another media. It's not going to be the one-on-one in the store. It's going to have to be the one-on-one as we talk right now. I think it's what we're doing. We are preparing, we're training our people, we're giving them ways, we're doing videos, we're showing them how to do it, and we're discovering amazing talents too. It's really fun to see people that you knew that could do something and can do a really good job that way. So we are seeing really a way to work that I think is going to work for the future. How do you feel about this virtual consultation um, positioning? Because, you know, every brand is saying they're doing something on Instagram or they're doing something on TikTok or their DTC site. How do you make your customer feel engaged, feel special when, you know, you're not with her in person? Well, I think people feel very special if you, if you are on the phone with them or on the iPad with them in their living room. You know, they can go and get their product, can show, I have this, how do I use that? What did I do? I used to do this. I'd like to see what can I do now? And they get the undivided attention of somebody they like. And, you know, so it's a very powerful thing. I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. Now, it's only one sort of thing. At the same time, you have to have a lot more um, 
creative new ways of communicating. And I see people doing all kinds of things. And I think that's gonna, what we're going to find because people are bored. They need to be entertained. They also need to learn how to do certain things as basic as cooking. You know, I think we're going to see a lot of recipes coming out. You know? So showing people how to do it. I think it's really taking the time to get into people's life and helping them. And I think that's the best thing we can do for each other right now. You know, Sylvie, you have obviously an amazing skincare business, but you also have a makeup business. Very much so. so. This is this is something that I've heard a lot of people talk about the last year that color cosmetics is down, and you know now when you don't have to go outside, why are you wearing makeup? So how are you kind of feeling well, about all this? I don't this? know how you feel, but on the iPad, it's pretty brutal. So if you don't look good, <laughs> <laughs> so I've noticed everybody's putting on foundation, they're doing the, their eyes, they're definitely not going naked. You know, they think that it's really hard. You know, they see themselves and they're saying, oh my God, I got to fix this, you know? So I don't think makeup is dead. Are you seeing a bigger traction on your website with skincare versus makeup, or is it about even right now? With, no, we were always 50-50. And what we saw always is foundation is a huge business for us. And we also foundation always. But now we've seen, for example, the last um, color story, which was about the uh, hummingbirds, which was such a beautiful package, and about raising money for the Amazon, has sold out. It's really sold out, just so strange, because we have only had it in the stores for one month, then it was closed. So it's selling to people. And we, we are out of one of the compact completely already. Has this made you feel maybe more reticent about your relationships with retailers after all of this is over? You know, I mean, is this something, you know? That's a, you know listen, I, we have a very good relationship and we love them dearly. And if they pay their bills, we love them even more. <laughs> is that something that you're dealing with? You know, the extended terms? Completely, completely. How is that affecting the day-to-day -day for you? Because obviously it's a strain on you. you it's a family-owned business. It's a huge strain. <laughs> it's a huge strain. We have good relationship with our retailers. We've been important to them. We've given them everything. And some of them are very aware of that and they're really trying to pay us. Um, I think in general... Bankers give you the, that advice. Don't pay your bills. Don't pay your bills. That's what you hear from bankers. So I'm sure that they hear that, you know, and I think they're trying as much as they can not to pay what they have to. But I trust that honestly, we have a good relationship with them. And as much as they can, they will. You know, I see people smaller. I'm not talking about three large retailers in the United States, but smaller retailers saying, we'll give you 10000 a month, you know. That's nothing, but this is better than nothing, you know? So people are trying. They're trying. How do you feel, Sylvie? I mean, you have been in business for 23 years. Shantakai has been a business on its own, family run for 23 years. So, and you obviously had a very extensive history at the conglomerates, at the luxury conglomerates, other beauty brands as well. So when you think about how this compares to, say, 2008, the dot-com boom, okay. or 9-11, tell me what you're seeing. So it's completely different. It's a completely new animal, as we're realizing in our own life. 2008 had stores open, everything was functioning. It was just harder for people to spare with their money because they didn't know how it was going to happen and they had less cash and they were worried. So actually, 2008 was a very good thing for us, strangely enough, to, because we did well in 2008 because our customers were very faithful. 
So they said, look, I only have so much money to spend. What do I get? Which is a really lovely thing to do, you know? So they would come to Bergdorf, for example, and say, I can only spend $300 today. And that's what they did. Instead of the thousand, they would have normally not even thought about. Now, in smaller retail, you know, in the places where it was $100, it was $90, but it was still there and they were very faithful. They did not change. They did not go to cheaper brand. They just bought less. So what we saw is we saw the opportunity in 2008, actually, to gain market share. And that's what we did with the vengeance. And we started growing after that, really, really growing. Because we really work with our people and we really work with our customers. And when it came back, it came back very strong. And that's the difference of what I think now. I don't think now we're going to see the same thing. I see, you know, for example, in China, people ask, oh, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be, you know, a great run after this. And even my Korean friends are saying to me, oh, you know, make sure we have a lot of stock because we're sure going to see a lot of, a lot of sale after. I don't know. You know, we have, when I say 45% of our business was Asian, I met a lot of customers were coming in all the stores here in England, everywhere. They were buying because they were traveling. The traveling Chinese was a very strong business for all of us. That died overnight. That business died overnight, you know. So it's the same thing. When they start traveling again, of course they'll buy. That I think this will come back. But I think in many ways, it won't be the same craziness before. I also believe that less is going to be more. I think it's going to be a question, as always, of quality versus quantity. And for example, we are very concerned. You know, we've been working very hard on being more um, able to not have plastic. You know, we're really, really very keen on what do we do to affect the earth. I mean, that's our whole ethos about the earth. So we need to really work on our packaging, which we have been. It's very hard, by the way, you know. It's really hard to find a great way to do something that is not um, affecting the earth. And we're working so hard. We've been working on that for a year and a half, but we are really working now. So, for example, I have forbidden to do every bag for GWP. We are not with these little lovely bags that we used to do. Well, they're mostly plastic, if you think of it, you know. So these are gone. We are not doing them anymore. We're going to do a very nice fabric pouch, and that's it. And that will be everywhere around the world. We won't do these little promotional bags. Um, we are trying to find a solution for not doing compacts in plastic either, which is much harder, but we're definitely looking at that very strongly. And we don't know, you know, before we could figure out, oh, okay, um, Neiman's will buy this, Nordstrom will buy that, Saks will buy this. You know, we'll, we know more or less what the retailers are going to buy. Now we have no idea. We don't know what they're going to buy, if they can buy, if they have any money to buy, and if they're going to be there. So we have to think radically different. But we are focusing all our energy really on the web. We are opening our webs in Hong Kong, in Korea, in Taiwan. And we're working very hard in China with KOLs and doing direct um, videos on uh, Taobao. You know, we're really working hard for all of that cross-border. So, Sylvie, you said 
basically everything I wanted to ask you in in one fell swoop. But when you kind of talking about from the very beginning, you know, when you think about travel retail, especially, you know, that was something that a lot of other luxury companies were really banking on. Shiseido was really focused on it for 2019 into 2020. Estee Lauder, obviously, as well. So, you know, the problem here, I think, is that you talked about a little bit about the uncertainty about not knowing when people are going to go back. So travel retail was a huge thing for Asian consumers around the world, yes. but we don't know, even if the if the mandates are taken off in June, will people start traveling again in July? We don't know that. So how do you kind of gauge that or prepare? Um, are you just not shipping to those places as much? Are you reducing orders? Just let me explain you right now. Okay, we were opening uh, La Samaritaine in a month in France. That was a huge thing. And, you know, I mean, a huge, huge thing. We built it. It's built. It's ready to go. It's dead, and it won't open until September at best, officially. We're opening um, the airport, LAX, in, in, you know, that's also on hold. We just opened Hong Kong Airport. That's dead, closed in. I had someone who fly into Hong Kong last week. They were told they were the last flight that we received before May. I mean, you know, everywhere is like this. So we're opening a huge store in Hong Kong for duty-free. All of those are dead. Right now, the only viable duty-free is Korea. And, you know, our competitors are doing something very, very, I understand it's a reaction because they're desperately in the money, but it's very dangerous. They're selling in China at 50, 60% off. I'm sure you've heard that. Just tell me a little bit about brand equity versus uh, promotion, because right now everybody's just trying to sell, get rid of inventory, but then you dilute your brand. So we're not doing it. I'm not doing it. We're holding, you know, we have done one thing here on uh, guilt, which I never used before. We did it on stock that was, I don't mean expire, I think they're good, but expire to resell. You need 18 months after that. So you want to make sure that this thing, and it's gone, it's only gone for a little while and it's done. And that was a good thing, but we are not doing anything like this in Asia and we are not discounting in Asia. What about in the U.S.? Because, you know, obviously Neiman's was huge discounts a couple of weeks ago. Same with Nordstrom, all of the big retailers. So how does that affect what you do on your own site? No, we do not. I mean, the maximum we do is 20%. Right. That's it. And you won't go lower, even if the retailer is doing some sort of gift with purchase or, you know, extra promotion, 10% or well, 15% they're, they're, off here. They're doing it. And, you know, for example, when they're doing 20%, they pay 10% and they ask us for 10%. So that's how it works. Ah, you know, so we're doing that, but we're not doing 40 or 60 for sure. You mentioned a, min- a minute ago about the importance of ish- initiatives like packaging and sustainability. Yeah. I've heard from some founders, you know, newer brand founders and newer executives that, you know, that's kind of gone by the wayside. They can't worry about sustainability or inclusivity, you know, in this market. They're wrong. They're wrong. You do not change the way your ethos is in times of difficulties. You hunker down, you take the risk, you take the, you know, and you do it. I believe people respect you when you stay with quality and you stay what you believe in. It's always worked for us because people trust us, because they know that we're honest about it. 
Do you think the fact that you are family run and aren't, you know, have a million investors or are VC backed really allows you to have that? Of course. I mean, because we, you know, like we cut all our salaries like crazy. You know, we went down to very little and we can do it because it's our company, you know. So we will take the blunt. We will not, you know, we will not have dividends. We will not have any of these things. We will just survive and keep the company survive. We'll keep our people well and then we'll work hard you know and then eventually this is going to change and i think we'll come out stronger are you surprised at what's been happening you know at the associate level or the furloughing and the layoffs at like Every. basically all the retailers overnight overnight yeah and they asked us to pay. are you surprised by that yes because they ask us to pay for it on top of it for two weeks explain that a little bit well they ask us to pay for the salaries of the people on the counters for two more weeks Although they were closed. That's crazy. I know. And they are not paying their bills either. That's very interesting. How are you kind of supporting, you know, those associates within your own doors? So they were all furloughed by the company, you know. So they have these people, you know, the thing with furloughed is you collect unemployment and you and we the people that we had to furlough, which is not a whole lot, but we had to. We continue to pay their uh, benefits, their health benefits and their benefits, so that they are collecting unemployment, that they're also allowed to work freelance while they do this, if they can find freelance. Now, the trouble is nothing is open overnight. So what do you do? You know, We have tried really to limit, and we, we agonize whenever we have to put someone on furlough, you know, because it's a family company and we know people very well. But we haven't done very much of it. I think compared to the other companies, we've done so little. When you think about your digital site, you know, what is it that you are investing in? In terms, is it is it marketing? Is it performance marketing? Is it sampling via digital? Is it maybe even pursuing an Amazon strategy? It's, what are you thinking? No, 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 not Amazon. No. <laughs> I have to uh, ask, Sylvie. I have to ask you. <laughs> well, no, not Amazon. But we are definitely investing in people. That's how we've kept our people. We kept them talking on the web also. So people that normally we should have let go because there's no work for them, we ask them to be available to talk to customers on the web. So we're trying to change what people do so they can keep being employed and function. That's what we're doing. And tell me a little bit about Amazon. Why no? Because right now I've heard so many beauty founders. I know your luxury. I know that you have a prestige positioning and the reasons why not. But, you know, people are dying for those deliveries and dying for that free shipping and that those capabilities. So is that not a thought in your mind right now? You know, maybe we're too ethical about it, but I go crazy when I think of the amount of business that Amazon has put out. You know, you see those boxes everywhere and you think of all the stores that closed before they had to close. They were closed already because of Amazon. And I think Amazon is the death of retail. And I don't, if I don't absolutely need desperately to get on it, I think we should not get on it. Do you think you would reconsider, you know, a traditional beauty retailer like a Sephora or an Ulta, like based on what's all that's happening right now with department stores? Yes. I mean, if if we could, absolutely. Yes. 
I think that Sephora is having the same problem. I think Sephora is going to have a lot of problem because I think that after this is over, people are not going to be very nervous to try things in stores. I'm thinking, what are we going to do with that? How are we going to help people try product? It's not going to be as before. So how do you think that, you know, everybody was so crazy for Modiface or UCAM and those virtual try-ons, but in some ways they never really did catch on in the department store or at, at home usage. So what do you think would work? You know why they didn't catch up? Because they were not good enough. If they had been really flawless, they would have been amazing, but they're not. Everyone I found was really, really a poor version of what you wanted. So why give person something that is not good? when you can show on someone else and they can see it and then they can try. And then we're going to be doing a lot of sampling and a lot of small size to deliver to people to try things. Have you thought about kind of these categories that are gaining steam that are on the fringes of beauty, whether it's more body care or sanitizers or any of these other things that people are trying to extend themselves? So, you know, we have, strangely enough, we have planned to to launch our CBD cream now. Well, it couldn't be a better time. You know, so we <laughs> launched the CBD cream on Monday and it's selling like hotcake because it's a great CBD cream. It's an incredibly good quality. It's also really very moisturizing. It continues to be anti-inflammatory. It really helps people. So right now, where people are, we've given it to doctors. We've given it to a lot of doctors because their face is so chapped you know, with the mask and their hands too. So we're going to do a major distribution to hospitals and things like that because it's amazing what it does for you. So the CBD cream happens to be perfect now. Yes, we are going to launch uh, a hand sanitizer, definitely. What do you think about other product launches? Because I've heard some brands have gone ahead and, you know, it's been difficult for them. And then some brands are saying, I'm moving spring to fall, fall to spring. You know, they're just right. changing the cycle. So how has that changed your timeline yes, at all? Yes, definitely. So what's happening is we know the stores are not going to buy. For example, summer, they're not going to buy summer, right? So what are we going to do? We're going to launch it on the web. We're going to go slowly. And because those items are actually not really a color story, it's it's a series of lip balms and it's a ser- and it's face thing that can be perennials. So they will come. And the way I'm thinking, which is the change really, is if retailers are not going to be as before after this whole thing, we don't need to have the traditional color story, the traditional time. If you think that you're selling mostly on the web. Well, you're launching when you get them, you know? It's going to be more of a Zara system where you get something new fairly often and you launch it. It's because nobody cares at home to have the color story of fall or the color story of Christmas. It's going to be, I got this great new lipstick. They're perfect for now. Let's do it. How has your baby business been going? Because obviously that's a luxury product, but I imagine everybody's at home with their kids. Are you seeing an uptick in that as well? We, we've seen a lot of baby products being sold. You're absolutely right. Um, and we've, you know, originally we saw a huge uptake in Asia. It's interesting. We saw really that, that baby line doing very, very well in Korea, doing very, very well. And in China, people are trying to get it. They really want it because they're so afraid that what they have is not pure, that they really want to make sure they're the real thing. And uh, our baby line is hard to counterfeit. You, know, you always have to fight with the counterfeit because they knock out things so well 
except the formula is not it. So people don't know. You know, they're afraid they get a new tube and they think, oh, maybe that's real, but it's not the real thing. So these are pretty hard to counterfeit. So I think it's done well. And um, yeah, of course it's going. I think we can grow more. All of, you know, the things that I think we should do more of that we are not is really good bath things, really wonderful bath products. Um, I mean, there's opportunities for new things when you're home. Do you think that that's something you want to go into in the next few months? Yeah, I think I want to do more luxury, home, happiness things, you know? Yes. Sylvie, when you think about, you know, where you want the company to be at the end of 2020, I know we're only a few months in, but what is the bare minimum for you in, in making sure that you, your company is and employees are taken care of? That we can survive? Yes. I think we're planning on 70% instead of 100%. And last year you were over 200 million at retail, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You want to tell me how much, Sylvie? How much you clocked in at 2019? No, I can't tell you. We're a private company. But, you know, we, we did very well. And we were growing. You know, we've been growing the last three years every year at 25% up. You know, so it's been really healthy. So now... We know we're not going to, and we're perfectly happy to have a year like this. It's fine. As long as we can pay people and we can survive, we're good. But we, we think we'll do about, instead of 100%, we'll do 75%. And Sylvie, when you think about, you know, who it's harder for right now, obviously you're an independent company, but you have 23 years behind you. Is it harder it's, right now to be an independent company early on, a D2C, these D2C businesses that just kind of popped up out of the ether? Or is it harder to be like a L'Oreal or an Estee Lauder who are so over leveraged? Like what's your, or is it harder to be you? <laughs> I think it's hard to everybody in different ways. I think the difficulties, you know, of the large companies, they're all, you know, they're all publicly traded. And that is a knife in your throat, you know, you can't go down too much. So that's why they're selling as much as they can everywhere, you know. And remember, they had a lot of cash. These companies were very cash rich. So they can survive a year of this. I don't think it's going to hurt them that much. These companies had so much money, they didn't know what to do with it. So they can survive. I think it's harder for a smaller company. I think it's harder for us because if we don't have any money, you know, we can't make it up. So it has to... Um, it has to function. We have to keep afloat regularly and keep, we like to keep paying our bills and we like to pay our people, you know? So that's the number one concern all the time. We're a lucky company because we have no debts, which is very unusual. Very unusual. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we've been profitable all along. And uh, I learned that a long time ago. It's something I learned from Leonard Lauder. He said to me when I was there, he said, you're either profitable for day one or you're never profitable. So when I went to my own company, I remember that. But, you know, Sylvie, you bring up a great point, which I think we've been talking about, you and I have talked about before, and a lot of other founders and I have spoken about this, is just that a lot of these newer companies, it's all about growth. It's not about profit. It's not about real money. So now cash management becomes so important. Um do you think that there will be a sort of reckoning then that like there'll be a clear out of some of these smaller brands that have popped up? I think we might also see some of the bigger ones because in many cases, it was all about how fast can you get? How cool? You know, and it was not about the product. Mm -hmm. It was not about what you give the customer. You just, it's a hype. A lot of it were hype. 
So I think that might readjust itself. But who knows? knows? (laughs) What about sustainable growth? What are your thoughts on that? I, to me, that's always been the way to do it. You know, the way to do it is to con- continue growing and finding intelligent way to do it. I also believe, I believe that you don't have to be enormous. You just have to be profitable and you have to be healthy. But, you know, we all different companies with different needs and different ethos and different ways of doing business. So it has to be right for the company you have, you know. I can't presume to know what they want. Knowing that it is a family-owned business, you know, are your children, your husband, you know, are they all on board with what this vision is right now? Or are they kind of looking at different opportunities, whether it be performance marketing or influencers or you guys on the straight and narrow? We are very, very together. First of all, we all canteen out of here together. (laughs) So we are definitely we're talking all the time. We're working all the time. We're on, on, we're on conference call, visual conference call with our people all the time. We are so together. So we all know. And I try to keep that going too with Asia. We're talking, you know, I'm talking to the guy in Hong Kong every night and every morning. We are really have to, Hong Kong went to 10% of business. You realize that? When was this? And it's been going for three. It's the third month. Oof. So, you know, it's really, and it's not going to reopen because every time they open a little bit, the, the fence with the, with the Chinese, boom, come coronavirus again. So it's going to be very difficult. Uh, I think, you know, this business are going to be really challenging. Thank you so much, Sylvie. It was great having you today and great it's seeing nice you so see well. You. I know, I know. I Thank l- you so much for doing this. Oh, well, very welcome. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Our theme music is by Otis McDonald. Please don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you're listening. See you next week.